Hi, this is Judy Waters. I'm here at the Food Pantry, open Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 12 to 1, and you are listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman, and I am your moderator. I am joined this week by Easter trivia champion Dan Marcello. Hey, everyone. <laughs> by worship director Scott Reed. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. By associate pastor Bill Calvin. <laughs> and special guest this week, youth director, co-director, Daniel Wright. Woo! All right. Welcome. Our live studio audience welcomes you, Daniel. Uh, Daniel, to open us up, would you mind praying for us? Sure. Dear God, I thank you for this this place where we can just talk and think about things above, think about things that uh, matter to you. I pray that those who are listening would be encouraged by whatever is to say uh, today and that you would just continue to be with us and guide us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Scott, you're holding four would you rather cards and shuffling between them vigorously. That's like seven now. I've, do you have I one that you, you have one you like? Um, yes, I do have one that I like. Would you rather run a marathon with a blood blister on each toe or go a solid month with a horrible sunburn on your neck, head, and feet? Well, I'll just. I'll just get right out of the way first that I would rather do the sunburn. I'd rather have the sunburn than run a marathon normally. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how I feel. I think the only person who can who can really shed any light on this situation is Bill. I've already run one with a blood blister on one foot anyway. Wow. A blood blister on each I'm, toe. Each okay, toe. so each oh, see, it's oh. ten, ten blood ten blisters. blisters. What is a blood blister, Bill? Well, it's like... Blood, it's a blister, but it's just filled with blood instead of water. Okay. So they're really no worse than a blister. Okay. Still hurts the same amount as oh, yeah. well. 26 miles with 10 blood blisters. You're just running on your heels the whole way. <laughs> you, you don't up? have to win. You just have to finish. You do have to run, though. Mm. Does it say it's anything like about the duration of the sunburn? It says a month. It says a month. A month. Yeah, I choose sunburn. Yeah, I choose sunburn because I wouldn't do a marathon normally. So. Yeah, that's, that's exactly yeah. where I'm. What playing? kind of a maniac would run marathons? Now, would you rather run a marathon with the blisters or run a marathon with the crazy sunburn? We oh. haven't even gotten Bill's answer to the first question. That's true. <laughs> oh, I, I took the blood blisters. Bill Why? just loves running marathons. <laughs> it's it's over. I mean, you, a few does hours, it, it's all over. Does it hurt, man? Yeah, it hurts. But yeah. it, you know, it isn't in this card. You can also stop, take a needle, pop all your blisters, and go, which is what people do sometimes. Huh. They have a really bloody Just shoe or two. The mental toughness of Bill Calvin. <laughs> That's inspirational. <laughs> I love it. it it's... Yeah, it hurts, but it's going to be over in a couple hours. Well, that's the nature of a marathon. It, uh, there's no such thing as a painless marathon. They all hurt. What? My daughter ran a marathon with a broken foot. What? what? The Whoa. whole marathon? Her foot broke at mile nine in Berlin, <laughs> and she said, I'm never going to be here again. I better just do this. So she mm. ran 17 miles with a broken foot. With a good Jeez. time? With a good time, yeah. Faster, way faster than anything I've ever done. It's, oh my gosh. It was mind-boggling. How did Going she Nicole. break it? It was a stress fracture, and the doctor told her before she went to Berlin, 
yeah, you can run, but you're probably going to break your foot, and you'll know when you did. And sure enough, she could feel it snap. Oh, I've never broken a bone. Me neither. And I've never run a marathon. But I have been to Berlin. (laughs) You know, when I was in Berlin, I didn't break my foot. Right. And comparing it just makes me sound like a baby. (laughs) But I did have this crazy weird pain in my ankle when we were walking around that I couldn't account for. Sympathy pain. (laughs) Poor Calvin. What's What's going on in Berlin? I think I would do the marathon because then at the end of it, you have like you can say that I ran a marathon. You can say I ran a marathon. Survived a month of sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> At least you can put aloe on it. And, uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's very true. All right, so that's a split. That's a two-three split. That's but not as bad. Close as it's gonna get. Before we get into topic of the week and our sponsor for the week, um, it's April fifteenth. There was snow on the ground this morning. I want to get a little bit of an update of how is everybody's Easter's. Obviously, we're locked indoors. Um, most people, you know, couldn't get together with their families or with their friends. Um, how was Easter for everybody? What, what did you guys end up doing? It was great. <laughs> Just, it was great. I still wish we could have had church in person, but we went to our church online and loved it. And we went to Nicole's church online. And they did some interesting things. I can't say that I really loved it, but it was it was interesting to watch. And then we had this fabulous meal where Nancy and Nicole made homemade everything under the sun. Um, so the food was just phenomenal. Um, and then we spent the day with Nicole and Jonathan. So it, it was a great day. And then we FaceTimed a bunch of people, made phone calls. Hmm. It, was, it was great. Yeah. I had a good weekend. I really enjoyed the Good Friday service. And then the following day, we watched the Saturday. Uh, well, the day before Easter Sunday, we watched church service which was really cool with pastor david and marina and scott and chelsea of course and so it was fun to stay connected to our church in that way the good friday service in particular was a highlight because we were all on there at the same time engaging with each other and people yeah. were writing yeah. and max you did a great job with the video and it was cool to see all our international workers and sunday we did an egg hunt around our house hid eggs for our daughter to find mm-hmm. easter baskets and made some visits to some people in the church with some gifts of cheer church yard signs and uh, some gifts for the kiddos and so getting to see people and have some human interaction and exercise that was nice daniel and scott i know you guys spent easter together right no no daniel got sick i was sick on easter oh yeah so that was that wasn't fun Mm. but i was able to sit in bed and so enjoy a couple easter services So that was that was good, and then eventually I did a Zoom call with my family and my fiance. So Aww. that was that was fun, but it wasn't fun being sick. So sure, <laughs> well, good to see you're feeling better now. Yeah. So what was yours like, Scott? It was great. Um, Leah and I watched the the service together, and uh, we got the house ready to host. We thought we were going to be hosting. Daniel and Chelsea and Chris, but it ended up just being Chelsea and Chris. Um, so we had lots of food. Um, and yeah, it was really fun. We ate a lot. We went for a walk, came back, ate dessert, slept through a movie. Nice. <laughs> what movie did you sleep through? Uh, Detective Pikachu, which is on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember anything about it? I didn't. We didn't sleep at the whole thing, but we all dozed off at least once. <laughs> we were just in such a food coma. We had so much food. We had like two, they weren't big, but we had like two hams. And some chicken, and then like mashed potatoes and that's awesome. shrimp cocktail, and 
vegetables. Yes, you did have a lot of food. We had a lot of food. Because <laughs> <laughs> initially we were like, it might be six of us because Max was kind of on the fence mm-hmm. and then we were expecting Daniel, but then it ended up just being four. Not six, just but four. We, we had a lot of food. That's so all. That cool. Everybody gets their own ham. Almost. <laughs> Every family gets their Well, let's get into the topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you by Women's Break via Zoom. Join us on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. or evenings at 7 p.m. as Marina Riemenschneider leads a study of God's attributes titled Be Still and Know That I Am God. The group is open to all, starting with a gratitude prayer time, an interactive study, and each session ends with an optional 15-minute breakout group for prayer. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash women hyphen Zoom for more information. Women's Break via Zoom. Tuesdays at 9 and 7 p.m. 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. I should say, reading that ad roll, it's a lot of join us, and it's open to all. I should say that I, I am not part of Women's <laughs> Break, <laughs> and I don't think I'm allowed to be. I feel like I'm a part of Women's Break, because Leah does it at our uh, oh. living room coffee table. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I got on yesterday to help Amber with some technical difficulties, and everyone was like, Dan! <laughs> i <laughs> Tech support. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to be very flattered by that impersonation. <laughs> Here's the thing about Bill Calvin. It's all going to get edited out. No, I'm, again, I'm leaving it in. Here's the thing about Bill Calvin. Bill Calvin laughs for about 40% of the show, but he laughs silently. So he's just sitting there, like, squinting and laughing to himself, and no one knows. So every time I see him doing that, I feel like I need to point it out to the listeners. That Bill Calvin is having the time of his life right now. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your continued enthusiasm, Bill. Uh, this week, we are kicking off a new series on pastorship, uh, talking about what it means to be called to be a pastor uh, and what that mm. process looks like. Today, we are looking at ordination. Um, we've got Daniel, obviously, as our guest, and Scott. Uh, and Dan, who is sort of their mentor through their ordination process. Sort of their mentor. What do you mean to say that? Only sort of. We're still in the review process. (laughs) (laughs) It's on a trial, 14-day trial. Dan, start us off. What is ordination as the sort of mentor? How would would you explain what sort of ordination is? So ordination, and Bill, you can feel free to jump in at any time because listeners may not know, but Bill is part of the, uh, the Midwest District. The district that we're part of is the Christian Missionary Alliance there is a licensing, ordination, and consecration council or committee. I'm not sure which one that is, but Bill is on that, a part of that, of you know reviewing the candidates and being part of their interviews and their process. So Bill has a lot of experience on this, so I want to make sure, Bill, you jump in any time that you want. So I see ordination as really, uh, the way I saw it in my own life when I went through the process, which was really helpful for me, is just this way of the leadership of the church as a whole, like the Christian Missionary Alliance, coming around and alongside you saying, we see that you are called mm-hmm. to ministry. I don't see it as much as the, some people may see it as like a gatekeeping. Well, they're keeping people out of leadership or out of, it's, it's not that. It's the church's way of saying, okay, we have these people that, who are candidates who are interested in ministry. We want to kind of see their character in action. We want to get references from them. We want to see through evaluation of, you know, them doing readings and, writing up reports and preaching. Is there evidence that this person is called? How is their scriptural knowledge? I really see it as, and I really encourage the guys that I'm working with, Daniel and Scott, to see it as something that's that's an opportunity to grow and develop, and not only as pastors, but as Christians. Yeah. 
Daniel and Scott, would you guys mind giving just like a really brief story of, of why you guys decided that you wanted to go through the ordination process? I think part of the process is I was just thinking there's like this level of affirmation. It's not just something in my head that I'm thinking about and like I think is right. It's like this process of kind of having like a community saying like, yeah, like we see God working in you and affirm that and just like moving towards that process. I think there's also like just the logistical side of things like if I feel called to be a pastor, that's like something you have to do. Like if you call, if you feel called to be like a doctor, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to do residencies and different processes through that. So this is like another process that isn't just something to do, but something to grow Mm. you through this. And then I think that's kind of what I see ordination is. And also this process of learning, growing, going deeper into my calling. So, yeah, there's something real powerful when you go through that interview and pass (laughs) and they say really nice things about you. They're not just making it up of like, well, we're just going to tell him like what he wants to hear of. Like we see this in you. It's extremely life giving. And I still remember it was over eight years ago that I got ordained. It was just very meaningful to me to have our district superintendent, John Rich and others speak like truth of what they see in me. Wow. It doesn't really happen very much in your life, those kind of moments. They're very mm-hmm. common. Yeah. Scott, why are you going through ordination? So when I started working here, I started working here because it was a music ministry position. That's really what I felt called to uh, by God was music ministry. And I had slash have no aspirations of being like a, a lead pastor or anything you know some people there's sort of a stereotype like they go into like for some reason it's always youth they go into like youth pastor role to like launch into mm. whatever and that's not at all what i came here to do like i came here to serve in the music ministry and so i wasn't planning on getting ordained uh, i just finished college so that's what you know almost 20 years of schooling straight and i was like i don't want to do that anymore I, I don't really love school um and I just wasn't interested in getting ordained. And then just things started to happen. Uh, actually, they started happening kind of around the end of 2018. Uh, I guess that was around when I started preaching a little bit more. Um, and I remember helping Daniel Ream with a funeral service. And uh, I just felt like God, through people and experiences, was just starting to sort of pull me towards that path. And I really didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to to do the studying and the work. But eventually... I remember when I first came here talking to you about it, you were yeah. like, I'm not sure. Yeah, I just I was just really convicted by God. I was like, this is what I want you to do. And uh, I don't know what the end result is, but I'm just trying to be faithful to the callings that God gives me when he gives them to me. And obviously, you know, with the shutdown, with the coronavirus, like, there's kind of been an interruption of you guys' process of, of ordination, I, I think, just from talking to you. Could you walk me through a little bit of the mechanics? It's how long of a process is it? Is it two years? It's supposed to be two years, right? But I, I don't know. If there's exceptions. <laughs> yeah, there's some people that yeah. squeeze it into eight. It <laughs> 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 must be tough. <laughs> Tell me about the mechanics a little bit of what that you know. What is the process? How do you spend those two years? One aspect 
of that, I guess, set, this is specifically for the, the Alliance and how they see it, there's different, like, aspects of, like, things that you read, um, different papers that you, you write to show an understanding and also to help push you to think about what you're reading more. And then also the aspect of reading through the Bible two times in two different um, translations. So those are two two things of a process. Mm-hmm. There's also some trainings that they want you to, to go through. And then there's a, a conference in Colorado, which is where the national headquarters is, um, that they want you to, is it called Resonate? Is that the yeah. name of it? Cool. Mm-hmm. Glad I remembered that. <laughs> um, so you got to go to that. And then your mentor... You got meetings with your mentor, and uh, he or she grades a couple sermons that you do, and and then there's a big thing at the end, a, a big written exam followed by an interview that's sort of based off of the results of your written exam for further yeah. exploration yeah. of some of the things that you talked about or clarification or whatever. Has that process mostly stayed the same since you know, Dan, since you went through that process, and Bill, like... Has it mostly been the same for you? Thankfully, there's been a change for the better. It was nearly an adversarial relationship between the ordinand and the committee. I look back on that and think, how sick is that? So thankfully, some people woke up and said, this isn't supposed to be gatekeeping and who can we keep out of here. It's so much better now than it used to be. I like it, too, that there's a written exam because some people can express themselves in writing mm, and have a true. real hard time orally. Mm. So that way you get the best of the person. Mm. So I've seen this list, this list of 130 exam study Which, questions. That's a difference from when I got ordained. Not many because it was only like eight and a half years ago. Okay. But uh, there was like 210. Yeah. So they got, they got pared down a bit. Really? I think districts have a little bit of autonomy in how they carry this out because that... amber got ordained well consecrated so my wife amber don't call her pastor amber she'll be mad at you <laughs> <laughs> she got consecrated which is like the female version of ordination and so in her district that we were in at the time in new york there was a bit of a like a different protocol mm. um than here since you brought that up i do want to mention real quick that next week we are going to be talking to chelsea reinhold and talking to her about the consecration process and digging a little more into what that um, locc review meeting is like with bill Mm -hmm. but are those you know what you have now those 130 exam questions what do those represent are those for the written for the oral is that the breadth of things that you should be able to answer like what do those mean because that's the biggest thing that sticks out to me is that there's a pdf of just seven pages of pretty difficult questions i think you should be prepared to give an answer for all of them Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're sunk if you can't. Yeah. So. Okay, yeah. yeah. There's a little bit of nervous energy between <laughs> Scott and Daniel. Well, Scott and Daniel answered all the questions about ordination is about. They get brownie points. So I want to be super clear that this is not a challenge. This is not a quiz. This is not the second coming of the Easter trivia challenge. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, so could I say one thing about yeah, a please. plug for ordination yeah. as it were? Because I was, I was thinking about this like, well, should I say it? The ordination and the role that it plays and they'd be like wow why is it necessary and i've lived in some places that ordination is is the exception not the norm in the church and where pastors are just kind of put in place with no formal training no kind of like something to work toward to really grow in their 
their like Bible theology knowledge and also like the their character as people yeah. and as believers, and it really leads to a lot of problems. Hmm. Uh, and that's something I'm grateful for here in America, American church, and especially our district and CMA, is that there is this structure in place as people come up and candidates are kind of it, they're able to have this kind of formation process. Mm. I think is really valuable. It can really avoid some major things like church splits. Not all the time. It's not a guarantee, but it really does provo- provide like a uniform platform to 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 grow in and to that we all have in common. Uh-huh. Uh, it is something. Pretty valuable. I've seen the other way that you get kind of ugly. Yeah, I think kind of on that point, being also in seminary right now and seeing that seminary is not super, it's not realistic for some people because it is it is expensive and it's something that takes a lot of work to go through. So it like opens up who can like hmm. learn and be raised up. Um, it's not saying like, oh, if you feel this calling from God, you have to go through this like this program of going to a college and doing it. Now it's not that that's a bad thing. I think that's that's valuable. I mean, you're also doing that. Yeah, I'm doing that. So I hope I. Daniel just has value. a tiny bit on his plate. <laughs> a lot. He did a lot. So a I think job. it's just like something that's also valuable to, to like it empowers people who. They want to be likely, sure. or it would be harder to do seminary or go through that. Another option, another route to take. So ordination is open to lay people. Like obviously, you know, Daniel, you're going after an MDiv right now, and and Scott's on staff and has been for a couple years. Is ordination open to you know members of the congregation, or what's the cutoff in, in that sense? Well, this is what I like about the Christian Missionary Alliance. It's called alternative education. If you're married, 35 years old, you have a couple of children, and then you feel called of God to go into the ministry, it is really, really difficult to say, okay, we're going to sell our home, we're going to move to Deerfield, Illinois, and go to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and somehow stay alive for three or four years with We'll say it's dad. With dad going to seminary, wow, that is a lot. But to say, all right, you're called, we have a different way of doing this. Alternative education is not easy. I've got to make that clear. You're going to be in a long program. Probably, realistically, it's going to be probably seven years. But it's at your pace, Mm -hmm. your able to stay at home, you don't have to sell your home, you can stay in your job, and you just keep biting off a little bit more, a little bit more. And the way I saw it really working well was with the Hispanic congregation in Long Grove. Hmm. Those folks took it very seriously, and that was a dynamic congregation. They probably planted three or four churches that I observed, and it was because they could train up a lot of leaders. They would have usually around a dozen people in this small church of 100 taking the alternative education wow. class, not necessarily to go into the pastorate, but to become better Christian workers. Yeah. But some of them then said, no, I want to be a pastor, and they would plant a church, yeah. and the church in Longo would help them get it off the ground. So it's really dynamic. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's so cool. Like, I think the, the emphasis on taking the process seriously, saying these are the things that, you know, you need to have answers to. These are 130 questions, or in Dan's case, 210 questions. Of, I think it was that, 209. That you need to have answers Burned to. Burned in my memory, that number. <laughs> um, but uh, like you were saying, like, to, just to be a better Christian worker, to be a better follower of Jesus, like, there's so much that that I wish I knew as a lay person. There's so much that I wish I had had the chance to step into and just hear and learn and, and um, you know, uh, inject into my own faith and into my own, you know, life and my own growth of that faith. Like, I think it's so cool that, that this is like a rigorous, um, it's not gatekeeping, it, mm-hmm. it's just rigorous and, it, and, and there's help if you need it and it's open to you and it, it's not just for people who want to be pastors. It can also be for people who just want to have answers to questions who want to, to serve yeah. God better. I think that's amazing. Um, I didn't know that. But this list of questions reads like uh, a list of topic of the week questions. Like every single one of these is one we could talk about. Um, I know the first section um, that you guys have been working through has been about the Bible um, and we talked quite a bit about the Bible. Our first four episodes were all about the Bible. Um, but one of those questions, just to, just to um, as, a, as a group, not just Scott and Daniel. Um, all right, Scott and Daniel, we're all looking at you. <laughs> uh, this will be stage one of your process. Um, <laughs> not at all. Uh, not at now. all. This question caught my eye. Um, again, one out of 130. What does Scripture teach about extra-biblical revelation. Well, I think one of the things that pops into my mind immediately, we just were talking about it before we came on the air, is the idea of dreams Hmm. and God revealing himself in dreams. I think of the book of, I think it's Joel, talking about your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. That God does reveal himself to people. I think many stories I've heard about the Muslim world, about God speaking to Muslims, Muslims in through dreams mm-hmm. and revealing himself to be their savior, um, and in that it's such an amazing way that God can do that in a way that's not going to put people at risk. You know, he reveals himself and there's no like witness, quote mm-hmm. unquote, of people going around talking openly about the Bible about Jesus, and he, that doesn't stop him. But to finish this thought, so that's extra biblical revelation. Mm-hmm. It gets us excited. However, it's not at the same level right. as mm-hmm. biblical revelation. Somebody just can't walk into church and say, I had a dream last night, yeah. so I want to preach this dream. Mm. You can talk about your dream, but it could be that you just had a little too much pizza last night, and this dream has <laughs> nothing to do with God whatsoever. So biblical Revelation, to answer that question in part, is to say there is other revelation, dreams being one, but nothing that equals biblical revelation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's the final standard. Yeah. yeah. And it, that applies, too, to people saying, like, wow, I got this other book of the Bible. We, were, we talked about mm-hmm. that in one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we've just found it. And, well, we could, what about sticking that in the canon? It's like, well, no, the canon is closed. Mm-hmm. Any kind of revelation really needs to be tested against what Scripture says, like Bill right. was saying. Right. To Dan's point, I was going to bring that up when you talked about dreams, because I do want to talk about that. I think that goes back to the spiritual warfare we had 
uh, the spiritual warfare conversation that we had <laughs> about the spiritual warfare that we have uh, a couple episodes ago that Scott said this thing that really stuck with me the 40th time I heard it while editing the podcast um, was this idea of, of God speaking to different cultures differently. And the phrase you used was, you know, different cultures believe in a spiritual reality. And what you said was like, you know, so the devil attacks at that spiritual reality. And I think the opposite can be very true, that one of the questions I grew up with was like, well, why isn't Jesus Christ revealing himself to the people in my English class uh, through mm. dreams? And I think that goes to that question of what is the medium through which a culture engages with God and how does he speak to them through that medium? How, you know, how do we as a culture frame the world and how does God break that frame but also like work through it? That makes me think of... Um the story that I'm pretty sure Jesus tells about where the rich man goes to hell and Lazarus is in heaven. And, uh, and the rich man says, you know, go back to the world and warn people, mm. you know, if they see what I'm seeing right now and they'll believe. And, and the response is, you know, they have Moses and the prophets, like they have all they need. Mm. And I think that's very true in America. Like they have what they need. You know, and they have the church. We're right here. Are we doing our job? What's the biggest piece of advice that you could give to someone who's, who's thinking about, dreaming about, or just starting out the ordination process? All four of you, because all four of you are touched by it. You know, what's the biggest, um, biggest piece of positive advice you can give to someone um, who's really thinking about starting out on that journey? Know that you're called, hmm. at least at this level, that there is one of these three parts of your calling. Spurgeon was asked, how do you know if you're calling? He said, well, you should have this inward desire, the Holy Spirit working within you, but you should also have fruit in your life, and you should also have the affirmation of people in the church. If you have all three of those, you're called. And sometimes the person who's involved can't see the fruit in their life. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's happened to me a lot, where probably my best fruit was being completely unrecognized by me. Just, I just wasn't catching it. So that's, that's really important to the calling. But if you're not called, you don't want to go into the ministry. You really don't. Uh, I think there's a calling for everything in a person, that some people are called to be school teachers, some people are called to be medical doctors. Some people are called to do something that may seem really mundane, be a, a factory worker or a truck driver, and yet they take hold of that and they become the most productive Christian, winning people to Christ, teaching Sunday school, being just being able to relate to others like no pastor actually can. And then they start to realize, this is my calling. That's why I'm here. It's not really to make money. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm here for a higher reason. Right. Yeah, I've seen my share of people who've gone into the ministry and definitely not called. And this reminds me of that verse in James of a, a ship on a, being tossed by the waves. Mm. Just really, really tough. And like Bill said, really miserable and just ends up dragging everybody down. And usually someone ends up getting hurt, whether that's the pastor mm -hmm. themselves or the congregation or both. It really just leads to a lot of pain, I've seen. 
Good luck, Scott and Daniel. Well, that was <laughs> hey, if you're called and you go into it, it's the best it life you can imagine. I'm so <laughs> thankful I was called. I wouldn't really want to do anything else. So one of my uh, advices for somebody who thinks that ordination or going into the pastorate or whatever, they feel a calling is don't run away from pushback or like it being hard at times. I think one of the like best things for me was when I, I was sat down with my youth pastor and my parents who were like, are you sure you want to do this? Mm. Are you, do you want to do ministry? And they're like, it's going to be hard. And like very clear about that and pushing on me. And that moment was one of my clearest moments of, like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Mm. So like you will feel pushback. Don't let that be something. Don't let that be something that's just going to tell you like, Oh, then I'm not supposed to do it. I'm feeling pushback. It's not natural. I shouldn't do it. Sometimes that pushback is going to really help out in the long run. So you have to be wise with it because like if there isn't fruit, if there are things and you really aren't called, then you really shouldn't be doing it. Mm. But if you are called to do it and you experience pushback, that pushback is going to make you stronger. So I encourage you to be wise about like how you're feeling the pushback. Um. Yeah, I would just say if you're feeling called like I was, as I looked at ordination, one of the things that that was kind of in my standing in my way was this kind of bizarre fear. I think in my head, I generally know that you know that I can do it. I did well in school. I can study well. I can learn, but like in my heart, there's like this fear that I'm not gonna be good enough. And that was really getting in the way of, of me actually taking the plunge. And I was like, well, what if I do this? And then I get to the end, I realize, like, I can't, I don't know this stuff. I don't, I'm not. And um, so my advice is, you know, don't listen to fear and find someone. In my case, it was Dan just sharing with Dan some of my concerns and some of my worries. And Dan just really spoke truth into my life that was like, you know, this isn't like what he said earlier. This isn't about gatekeeping. This isn't about weeding people out it's about affirming a call in your life and i felt the call but i was afraid to go through the process mm. and so i think if you feel the call find the people that are gonna tell you the truth you know because you can work yourself into kind of a, a negative outlook on things i piggyback on that and say don't run from your calling if you feel a god is nudging you calling you to the ministry i spent a long time ignore it shove it under the rug because i didn't want to do it uh, but God wins. <laughs> what God wants to have happen in your life, He's gonna put you in the circumstances to bring it about that you're in the right, is mm. it like the right frame of mind, to, in the right heart attitude to accept what He wants of you, and mm. He's gonna put the bit in your mouth and lead you whether you want it or not. Mm. Um, you know, one of the last piece of advice I'd give to people looking to get ordained is, and I mentioned this to Scott and Daniel at the very beginning, is don't look at it as just a set of stuff you got to do, monotonous chore. It is a fair share of work, and Bill would agree. Like, and I'm sure you guys would agree, too, because you're facing it, and you have the sheet with all the expectations and all of what is required of you. But let it be something that God can speak to you through. Approach it with a posture of humility and saying, God, hum humbly come before you with open hands. This is, I sense this is what you want to do in me. Search my heart. Like, 
work in my character as a believer, as a as a minister of your word. Someone's stomach was rumbling. Yeah, boy, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I think our listeners may have heard that. I missed lunch. <laughs> we got a bunch of Snickers bars here. Well, thank you guys for uh, for talking about that. Um, let's get into My Colleagues Rock, which is the part of the show where we get to brag about the awesome people that we work with. Um, as is typical for us, I'd like to encourage you to, to talk about people who are outside of this room who don't get to be on the podcast regularly, but... I want to open the floor up to to anybody that you want to brag about for a couple minutes. To brag about Pastor David, I thought it was really impressive how he and Marina put together the Easter service. Mm-hmm. I was I was like riveted the whole time because there was different stuff happening. They were they were did a great job filming it. It was inside. It was just fun elements of like the dogs were barking and <laughs> it was just it was very authentic. And mm-hmm. I just I thought it was really cool that. They learned how to do all that mm. stuff probably a month ago. They didn't think they'd be doing, mm. yeah. and yeah. like filmed it, edited, it, uploaded it to the internet. I mean, that's I don't know if I could do that. Mm-hmm. And it was like quality too. Yeah, it was really yeah. well done. It had a good quality to it. Then mm. the object lesson was really good, very powerful. Oh, yeah. Man, well, I agree. Well, I'm going to pick somebody else. They are outside the room. It's Judy Waters, mm. Nikki Sciara, Janine O'Connell have spearheaded our curbside food pantry. Mm. And they just bring a lot of enthusiasm to it. It rubs off on me. My hat's off to them. I'm, I'm grateful for what they're doing. Yeah, I'll follow suit with that, where it's not specifically people on staff, but it is someone that I've been working with a lot recently. So I want to shout out to Amber, Dan's wife. Pastor Ooh. Amber. <laughs> Pastor Amber, <laughs> Pastor she was, Dan's wife. She was listening to this at night. Um, <laughs> she was like what? Uh, for she was the one. I don't know if you could, how easy it was to tell this in the Easter video, but she was the one that did the painting. Uh, mm. And then today, she and she was painting, and Lee and I were recording. Painted another thing for this coming weekend, um, and it just she whips them out really fast, and they look great. And uh, she's very willing to come in and, and give of her time, even though I know she's really busy with school stuff with Renata and also really appreciate her giving up her talents in that way. Uh, I will shout out somebody who shares, who has one of probably the best names in the world, uh, Daniel Riemann Schneider. <laughs> um, I might be biased on that, but anyways, he is being like super intentional right now about how he is just pushing, pushing forward with this Ipsat. Mm. Um, stuff and yeah. like trying to equip people to do what they're called to do and use the use the strength that God has put in their lives, and that push is like I think really needed, and He does it in a really good way, an intentional way. Um, I know it's helped me a lot, um, how I've developed. So I want to just shout out to Daniel yeah. because he also also has like a house full of amazing kids and mm. stuff and he's been really persistent in working hard at what he's doing mm. i would like to to shout out to uh all the people who submitted clips for uh the good friday mm. service um that was super i think there was like a one week turnaround i think they knew they had like two days of notice um but we got a lot of people submitting clips and they were really different like there really wasn't just like one stereotypical answer. 
uh, which was really cool, and it was fun to get to put all of those together. Yeah, you so did a awesome. great job putting it together. Yeah. Yeah. It was yes. really good yes. videos. Thank yeah. you. Um, well, I wanted to start a new closing segment this week, but we're already pretty far over time, and I don't think I can wrangle Bill uh, into... <laughs> into keeping this one short, but I'll still read the intro I had for it and, and leave the listeners wanting more. Two days ago, I was in Jewel Osco trying to buy a carton of egg and some tapioca balls uh, when I got a call from Bill Calvin about, quote, one of the worst books I've read in a long time. So look forward next week to our new closing segment, uh, the first in the series, Bill's Book Reviews. Uh, he's going to go off about an author that he loves. Well, we know it's not the Bible. <laughs> That's true. No. Uh, it's not Book It'd of the be Bible. The, uh, alpha Webinar. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to close by telling that story? All right. <laughs> okay. A couple weeks ago, Alpha contacted all of us involved with Alpha and said, Hey, we're doing Alpha Online. Come to this webinar. We're going to teach you how to do it. So I went to the webinar, and it's just the most balled-up webinar you can imagine. You would think that I was the technical producer of this thing. It was just horrible. <laughs> so 45 minutes into it, it starts to get good. It's been going good for two, three minutes, and then Morgan Lang shows up at my office door, and we're to work on a sermon together. So... I turn to Morgan and I say, I am watching the crummiest webinar ever. And the person in the webinar says, Bill, your mic's on. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do? I told him, well, God abides in the truth. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather's, topic of the week suggestions, and truthful things that God can abide in uh, to <laughs> podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Daniel. Woo! Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Thank you, Max. Max. Bill, you've earned it. Take us home. Oh. <laughs> you have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast in Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I love that when this has this guy has the greatest name, Daniel Riemenschneider. <laughs> You're thinking about Daniel. I'm thinking Riemenschneider. Yeah, Riemenschneider. Who can even believe that's a name? <laughs> <laughs>